0: This is Sunrise. The who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Capitol building is quiet thanks to a New Year's Eve holiday for state workers. The new year brings a 10 cent per hour raise in the minimum wage in Florida. That is bad for businesses that like to lowball their employees, but on the plus side, their workers' compensation rates are also being reduced and the tax they pay to lease commercial space is being cut. Citing concerns about Chinese meddling in American research, the Speaker of the Florida House creates a select committee to investigate Chinese involvement in state research institutions, starting with the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa. If you're a regular reader of FloridaPolitics.com, you've already seen the first installment of our rankings of the most influential Florida politicians over the past decade. Today on the Sunrise Interview, part two of our conversation with Peter Schorsch about who made the list and why. Not much today on your calendar of events, but this is our final podcast of the week, so the calendar will include events for the rest of the week. Spoiler alert, it's still a very short list because, well, no one likes to work this time of year. And two stories today in our Florida Man segment, including the guy who was busted for revving a mower and a man accused of armed robbery for stealing a soda by crashing his truck into a bar. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, December 31st. The new year brings an increase in Florida's minimum wage. Today, the official rate is $8.46 per hour. As of tomorrow, the rate is $8.56 per hour. That's a raise of, oh, four bucks a week if you work full-time. Don't spend it all at once. Businesses that rely on cheap labor don't like it, but there's something in the new year for them, too. The average price for workers' compensation insurance is being reduced by 7.5%, effective January 1st. And the state sales tax on commercial leases is being rolled back from 57 to 5.5% percent. That may not sound like much, but the governor's office says it will save businesses almost $65 million per year. The Speaker of the Florida House of Representatives has created a select committee to investigate improper or illegal activities involving Florida's research universities, medical research facilities, and the individuals associated with those institutions. Speaker Jose Oliva is responding to reports that administrators and researchers at the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa had a financial arrangement that gave the Chinese government access to research being done there. The select committee will be chaired by Rules Committee Chairman and Speaker-designate Chris Sprouls, who was a prosecutor before he was elected to the House. Two top administrators and four researchers at Moffitt resigned after an internal investigation revealed their participation in China's Thousand Talents program, which recruits global researchers and academics. Speaker Oliva calls it Chinese meddling, and the National Institutes for Health have warned of possible expertise exploitation of American-funded research by China. A Florida man is holding a campaign event Friday in Miami to launch a new coalition called Evangelicals for Trump. It's a twofer for Donald Trump because he needs to win Florida to be re-elected and is counting on heavy support from Christian evangelicals to get there. It's happening at 5 p.m. at the El Rey Jesus megachurch in Miami. The announcement follows a blistering editorial by Christianity Today, a prominent evangelical magazine founded by Billy Graham that calls for the president's removal from office. Commissioner Gary Clark will begin a two-year term as chairman of the Florida Public Service Commission later this week, actually Thursday. Clark will replace outgoing chairman Art Graham, who will remain on the Utility Regulatory Commission. Clark is from the North Florida town of Chipley. He joined the PSC back in 2017 when he replaced Commissioner Jimmy Petronas, who had then been named chief financial officer by former Governor Rick Scott. Before that, Clark worked as a deputy secretary at the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. A new decade begins at midnight as we welcome the 20s and say goodbye to the teens. FloridaPolitics.com is spending the week looking back at some of the most influential politicians of the decade, and publisher Peter Schorsch is here to dish some details. Part two of his interview is next, here on Sunrise.
1: A lot of people give their opinions on politics and not just the talking heads on cable news. Everyone has an opinion. Sometimes a gentleman's wager can be the best way to tell how much someone believes their own spin. That's why you should check out what Predicted is doing. Predict It is like the stock market, but for politics. Instead of buying and selling oil futures, you can buy and sell shares in everything from who the Democratic nominee will be to if the president will be impeached. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org promo F-L-A-P-O-L.
0: With the new year and the new decade just one day away, it's time to look back and figure out how in the world we ended up where we are today. Peter Shorsch at floridapolitics.com assembled a panel of experts, and they've come up with a list of the 25 people with the most influence over Florida politics over the past decade. Happy
1: New Year's to you. Um, we're publishing the list early today because we know everybody will be out uh, reveling here as soon as they can. The state, you know, state workers have the day off and everything like that. So the list will be publishing pretty rapidly. We're going to take off Wednesday and then back Thursday, Friday with the top 10. You know, right now it's interesting because we're trying to figure out where some of these legislative leaders go. So you're going to see Joe Negron in the high teens. You're going to see Bill Galvano in the high teens. And you're going to work into Jose Oliva. You know, Don Gates is going to come in close to the top 10. I think Don Gates was probably one of the more powerful uh, legislative leaders. I think he – you know, I think Cannon, Corcoran are probably at the top, uh, followed by Weatherford, and then you have to kind of decide which one of the Senate presidents is there. And my argument would be that Don Gates, um, who had kind of, whose impact, you know, you know he was in the Senate afterwards, and he's still kind of a senior statesman now, so I, I thought he uh, deserved up there. I think another couple of, we finally have some women on the list, which is nice. Um, Pam Bondi is going to be in that middle range there. Um, not a big impact on the political or on the public policy side, although she does get credit for what she did on pill mills, but, you know, she just had such a presence. Like, you know, if there is a somebody that gets on here for, you know, she's a, she's almost a celebrity. I mean, she's right there, you know, in that Trumpian kind of celebrity politician, you know, she was always the most popular of the, elected official of the four cabinet members, which isn't saying a lot. But, you know, had she wanted to, she could have ran and and beat anybody there. Uh, And she also courted a lot of controversy. You know, the $25,000 contribution um, from Trump, she was in the news for that and some other things. And so, you know, Bondi definitely was probably one of the most talked about Florida politicians. Contrary to that, I think people are going to be surprised that we have Adam Putnam as low as we do. When you look at it, he really didn't have a significant amount of public policy accomplishments. And in fact, after he went on the campaign trail, it seemed like there were some glaring weaknesses, especially like on concealed weapons. And so um, our panel ranked him a little bit lower than what people uh, may have expected. You know, there was the opportunity, and we talked about this yesterday, you know, he could have stood up to Scott on a couple of issues. Um, you know the ousting of Gerald Bailey. I, I thought that was such a pivotal moment in state government history. Was the cabinet going to, you know, exercise some independence? And 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 he didn't do that. And so um, he took a lot of I think grief from uh, from Scott over the years. I, I it didn't seem like they got along. And so just as I'm putting together a list, I, I would say he was. You know, I would say he's in the the high teens, and I think that that's where he's going to end up somebody that also made the list which is you know, court of a lot of controversy i think uh i think we've got debbie Wasserman schultz in it like 13 14 15 um it's going to be interesting you know again not a lot of public policy contributions simply because you know congress isn't doing a lot but in terms of her political impact and not necessarily in a positive way she was in the headlines for a for a significant period and she had a a three or four year uh stretch there where she was one of the most prominent Democrats in the country.
0: One man who made the influence list for the teens is former Governor Jeb Bush, which is kind of odd when you remember he left office in 2007, long before the start of the decade. But Shor says Bush is still a powerful presence in Florida's political scene.
1: Uh, we have Jeb Bush, the former governor, at number 11. And now people will say, well, how did he get on this list? You know, he had been out of office in, in 2006. And I will say he qualifies for this list because he did run for president. Um, and so that was our, that was our barometer that you just had to have run for office or served in office, but his, uh, his public policy contributions are so significant, especially in education that our panel thought that he, you know, he needed to be on the list. And in fact, several people, several of our panelists had him in the top 10. I did not have him in the top 10 because I, I think, you know, I think we're starting to see actually a pushback against some of the Bush education policies and so forth, but his, um, his status in the Florida Republican Party is still so solid that he does merit uh, placement on this list. And so we have him at number 11.
0: Another blast from the past is former House Speaker Dean Cannon. He's a lobbyist now, keeps a very low profile. But sure says Cannon made the list for saving the Florida GOP from itself during a very difficult time.
1: You know, something that I thought I thought was, and he's pretty high up on the list, but I think he could even be higher than where he ends up is, is Dean Cannon, Um I think it's a very interesting – and this is – a lot of what he did happened like in, you know, 08, 09, so it, it didn't necessarily, you know, pertain to this decade. But if you look at Cannon's tenure from when he's basically speaker-designate, you know, he deals with the sacking of Ray Sansom, the installation of Larry Creedle, and basically is speaker for – you know, or he's the most powerful lawmaker for, you know, Credle's period – and his own period. You know, he had to deal with the fallout of Jim Greer at the party. Um, That was a huge, you know, huge issue. He had to deal with the integration of Rick Scott into the Republican Party. Like, you know, there's a famous photo the day after the election or like right after the election where, you know, Herodopoulos and Cannon have to, you know, huddle with Scott, even though they had been huge advocates for Bill McCollum. And then finally, you know, Cannon had to deal with, you know, his, his counterpart, Mike Herodopoulos. And that was a very tumultuous, you know, that was a uh, session, a couple of sessions that was, the, uh, you know, that was basically the, uh, the tea party wave had come in. We were still in the great, you know, great recession. Uh, I, there's a famous photo of Mike Herodopoulos kind of tearful on the Washington Post. And so if I had to vote for somebody who I think could have been maybe in the, maybe even in the top five, um, it's an interesting argument. Did Dean Cannon have more of an impact on Florida politics than, say, like a Marco Rubio or something like that?
0: Most of the politicians on the influence list are part of state government, but Schorsch says there's a lot happening at the local level as well. That's why so many big city mayors made the influence list for the past decade.
1: You know, this was really, when you, when you think about it, this was the decade of the mayor. Um, and that's probably a good thing, piece I should have written by now. Uh, but it was, you know, whether it be Buddy Dyer in Orlando, Lenny Curry in Jacksonville, Bob Buckhorn in Tampa, um, Rick Reisman in St. Petersburg. You know, if if Florida is this beautiful coalition of cities now and and our cities really are thriving, the mayors that made those cities so prosperous deserve a lot of attention. So I think they're you know, that's going to be interesting to see where did some of these mayors get ahead of some important elected officials? And then, you know, finally, you know, just previewing Fridays. I know you're off, but it's gonna be interesting. I will say we do not have Ron DeSantis as number one. We don't even have him as number two. So it's gonna be where did Ron DeSantis end up? You know, did was he how much impact could he have had in the year and a half that he's been in office? Um and I think it'll be interesting that who we have ahead of him uh considering that, you know, he's governor. He's you know he almost qualify you know, it's basically quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He, you know, he's automatically a star, but we have some people ahead of him and that'll be interesting to see who uh, gets into our top three.
0: FloridaPolitics.com will be publishing the full list of political influencers over the next few days, but you'll have to wait until Friday morning to find out who made the top five. Your political calendar of events for the rest of the week. Well, state offices are closed today and tomorrow for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. On New Year's Day, the Highway Patrol will join other law enforcement agencies to begin issuing tickets under a new law aimed at cracking down on texting while driving. For the past six months, the FHP has been issuing warnings to drivers, but troopers will start writing citations on Wednesday. The first offense will cost you 30 bucks plus court costs. Republican Party of Florida Chairman and State Senator Joe Gruters will speak at the Republican Women's Club of Sarasota. That's at 1130 on Friday at Michaels on East in Sarasota. And on Saturday, state representatives Joe Casello of Boynton Beach and Tina Polsky of Boca Raton will speak to the Democratic Women's Club of Palm Beach County. That starts at 1130 in West Palm Beach. And it's time once again for the ongoing tale of stupidity, depravity and cluelessness known as Florida Man, who proves to us each and every day that maybe humans aren't quite as far up on the food chain as we thought. A Florida man has been charged with disorderly conduct and resisting an officer because he refused to stop revving his lawnmower at night after four of his neighbors complained and then refused to accept a citation from the Pasco County deputy who was sent to investigate. Robert Miller of Zephyr Hills said he didn't care if the neighbors couldn't sleep. Body camera footage from the deputy showed him actually revving the mower even louder when the officer tried to have him sign a citation and a florida man could end up in state prison for stealing a dr pepper bay county deputies say 28 year old gavin lee tried to enter the reback bar in panama city after it was closed when he couldn't get in they say lee drove his pickup through the front glass grabbed a soda from the cooler and sat down at a table inside the bar where he drank his beverage lee is charged with armed burglary because deputies found a ruger handgun in his pocket when he was arrested That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. We're off the rest of the week, but return on Monday as we gear up for the legislative session that begins on the 14th. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us next year as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.